0: Shalom and Kiora, and welcome to the next episode of the Lands and Milk and Honey podcast. On the 21st of February 2023, the New Zealand Israel Innovation Hub, in partnership with the Now Institute of Auckland University, facilitated an online discussion about innovation in AI with a focus on the latest tech from Israel and New Zealand in the fields of cyber, agritech, and biotech. This episode is a recording of this discussion. Israel is considered a strong player in the field of AI with a thriving startup scene and many R&D institutions. In New Zealand, industry usage and investment in AI applications is growing rapidly. Researchers from these countries are making significant contributions to the advancement of AI globally. The webinar was the first time Israeli and Kiwi experts have been brought together online or physically to discuss AI. And in the roundtable discussion, we were fortunate to have the following experts participating. We had Tamir Tala, professor at Tel Aviv University, Dan Erez, computer vision expert at Taranis, Tal Fielko, chief technology officer at BOLD, Patrice Delmas, associate professor at Auckland University, and Isaac Tate of the NOW Institute did a fantastic job as host, and we thank them all for participating in the discussion. Before the discussion kicks off, I just want to say a word about our supporter, Smarthead. Okay, so have a web or digital product that you want to bring to life. These guys are fantastic. They do everything from developing project workflows to managing the entire project lifecycle. They have completed work from some serious brands such as Visa, Google, Coca-Cola and Samsung. They can run POCs, launch MVPs, scale digital products, provide consultation and build teams. Their core technology stack, .NET Core, Node.js, React.js, Vue, Angular, Swift, Kotlin. They are truly product-oriented people, not just code bunkers. Check them out online at smarthead.digital and make that innovative thing you've been wanting to do for ages a reality. So that's smarthead.digital.
1: Check them out. we'll start with a, uh, introduc- a round of introductions from the panelists and before i start picking on people uh, i'm as i guess as josh said i'm the operations manager for the Institute. i do a bit of research myself um and my research delves deep into the nature of consciousness and ai as a way of how we can construct milestones for how to improve ai to the point where we can say it is uh, phenomenologically conscious when it hits sentience and how to track and react to AI that do behave in a far more conscious manner than um, chatbots that we see today. Uh, But most of my job is just managing the Institute and making sure all the other researchers uh, have this least amount of paperwork uh, that they can do. So um, next up, if you could please uh, say a few words about yourself, um, uh, your field of research, and tell us one interesting uh, advancement that's uh, recently happened in your field. And we'll pick on uh, Tamir first.
2: okay uh, Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. So, uh, I'm a professor at Tel Aviv University, a full professor, and I'm the head of the Lab of uh, Computational Systems and Synthetic Biology. And uh, I have a multidisciplinary background, academic background, uh, include uh, eight uh, academic degrees, among other I have two PhDs. One is uh, in computer science and the second is in medical science. And uh, in my research, I I combine uh, computational approach. You can call them AI, some of them. Uh, among others, to engineer genetic material to solve problems. This is uh, the end point. and We have many... Very exciting results all the time. Uh, I can briefly say that we use the approach, for example, uh, in the field of food tech, to generate, uh, you know, for example, milk without uh, cows from uh, microorganisms. Uh, we use them to to generate uh, to uh, produce vaccines uh, and viruses that can, uh, uh, or critic viruses that can attack cancer cells. And we use the the approach for understanding cancer in general, understanding mutations for cancer, and developing new therapies. So, uh, yeah, this is me in short. Uh,
1: Thanks, uh, thanks very much. Um, And let's start over across the pond to New Zealand. Uh, Patrice, like, tell us a bit about yourself, your research, and what do you think is the most interesting advancement in your field of research that's happened lately
3: hi from tokyo obviously as I, that hinted. Um, i've been in the field for the last 30 years um, i remember my supervisor talking to me about entering punch cards into computers which were just machines and nowadays um, when i look at where we have it's likely the most uh, significant advancement my field research is computer vision um I'm a mathematician and an engineer, so I like both the equations and the excitement of the field. Field work is what I prefer. Um, If I look at, in my opinion, the most striking advancement um, in computer vision is actually the failure of the field to solve the self-driving cars. Uh, With Tesla, the most powerful company in the world, not managing that so well. And it means there's a lot of work to do. Um, and uh, I'm really hopeful about that because a few years ago, I was told that computer vision was dead because deep learning had killed us. So uh, we are in a constantly advancing fields. I say 25 years ago, it was just punch machine. And nowadays, well, we have some amazing uh, capabilities. So it's exciting. There's a lot to do. Um, I, that's what I do. It's quite diverse. I'm, I like multidisciplinary applications. Um, but will, maybe we talk a, a bit more about that later. Thank
1: you. Thanks, much, Patrice. Uh, next up, um, Tal, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your research and the most interesting advancement wherever it might be in the world um, that's happened in your field of research?
4: Hi guys, uh, I'm Tal from currently in Tel Aviv. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for, the, for having me in this webinar. Uh, well, I'm currently the CTO of a deep learning uh, startup company named bold uh, in the cyber intelligence uh, domain our main product is called maestro uh, which is an uh, ai analytics platform uh, which uh, actually transforms uh, structured and unstructured data uh, into vectors uh, and allows the law enforcement analysts uh, to investigate this type of uh, data seamlessly uh before that uh before joining the Startup. I was uh, VP R&D and uh, head of data science and a famous in famous NSL group uh, where I focused on developing the cutting-edge solutions for security and defense and prior to that uh, served as the head of data science and the prime minister's office in Israel uh, where I established the organization's uh, data science uh, discipline uh, in that role I focused on uh, many domains and uh, NLP, vision, cyber, other related feeds. Uh, looking at the uh, Israeli ecosystem right now, especially in cyber, uh, I can see that some there's some shift to unsupervised learning methods uh, where data is not easily uh, gathered or generated. So I think that most real world problems uh, in this area are, require like different approach not every problem could be like handled by huge llms that we see right now so uh, or thousands of annotators so in my respect this is like a step in the right direction that's about it
1: thank you very much for that tell all right as more people join um, uh, and flies attack me um, we'll get onto um the bulk and the meat of uh, the webinar debate today. So what I'll do is I'll um, pose a question to a few of the panelists. Um hey, you missed me? <laughs> um, I'll pose a uh, questions to some of the panelists. Um, they can give an answer. And then I'll open it up to the floor virtually. Wait, wait, wait. You missed uh, Dan, Dan Arias. Have I? My apologies. <laughs> I was going down a list and you must have jumped around on the thing. <laughs> Pridefully sorry dan um i'll give you each <laughs> of 5 minutes just to have a chat about, uh, to us um please tell us about yourself and uh, the most interesting thing that's happened in your area of the world
5: sure so <laughs> hi everybody i'm dan and uh and thank you of course for uh you know allowing me to join here uh i work at teranis i'm a researcher there um basically we take photos of agricultural fields uh, through drones and then we identify diseases insects uh, anything that can really harm the field um, and I think the the major transition that we see is is a or we saw over the past few years and it's continuing is a fixation from uh, whereas in the past people were very focused on the architectures uh, and how we process the data let's say uh till today where the data itself is the main focus Um, and we see this in clip for example where we scaled up to 400 million uh, images and we see this through robustness and active learning that's very up and coming uh you know, although we still have things like diffusion models that still pop up and things like that, I think there's a major transition into stop focusing on how we process the data and look at the data itself. Uh, and I think that the next big leap, uh, among many things that, that could happen, but I think a really big thing that will happen over the next few years uh, will be around sparsity. I think sparsity will allow us to utilize these um. Uh, Trillion uh, parameter models uh, in everyday situations, and it'll really allow us to make that big leap ahead. Thanks very much, Dan.
1: Um, and because I've uh, I, I, com- I completely left you, I'll throw the first question to you actually. Um, so what do you think uh, the impact of ai will uh, will have on the world's workforce and in the workplace and then as a corollary to that what do you think businesses and governments can do about um, what many believe will be a very significant impact
5: so it's actually it's a very appropriate question for us because a lot of people are very worried that ai will uh, replace the workforce and uh, you know it'll be gone i i'm personally of the belief that uh it's it's quite the opposite so i see ai as both an enabler and as an efficiency mechanism um and in the past consistently whenever you had enabling technologies uh, move in um they created more jobs than they eliminated through efficiency but there is it it does require a shift in the workforce and i in my personal opinion right, i don't think that Taranis has a political opinion on this, but in my personal opinion, the government should step in and, uh, uh, and help people make that transition. Uh, and in Taranis, for example, we have like a few things uh, that, that you can see that very clearly through it, right? So in theory, right, we're replacing scouters. Uh, but in practice, we are actually uh, utilizing hundreds of annotators around the globe we are we have dozens, if not over a hundred drone pilots that are joining us. We have sales representatives and uh customer rep representatives and so forth. And they are uh were previously uh sales agronomists or something, you know, something in this uh ecosystem. Uh and obviously, you know, you have our direct customers, which are sales agronomists, uh and they're they're not getting replaced. They're just outputting uh, uh, better uh, performance, right? They're able to give growers much much better uh, solutions than they were in the past. But they're not going anywhere. Uh, they're just providing more value. Uh, and and so really, naturally, you can see this that like we have more opportunities and. Therefore, we have more jobs and not fewer jobs. Uh, it's just a matter of uh, shifting people's efforts to higher value efforts. Um, that's it.
2: So, yeah. so that's I, I, I agree with, with Dan. Uh, uh, I have collaborated with. Uh, I've been collaborating with let's say at least 15 companies. Uh, we are talking about uh, biotech, pharma. Uh, AgriTech, maybe, and uh, what I see that uh, actually, you know, uh, researchers in the field or workers in the field uh, try to to understand better uh, AI or modeling, and actually learn how to work with uh, AI. Uh, you know, they, they need, I think, some of them need uh, tr- a training in the field. I think maybe we should integrate uh, some training into the. Different uh, academic uh, degrees, uh, also in biotech, agri tech, uh, medicine. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't see. I, I don't think that uh, AI, you know, will, due to AI, we have the less uh, uh, jobs. Uh, but we have, we will have different type of uh, of jobs.
5: Yeah. For example, for us, it's very very hard to find products that like uh, product managers that have experience in agronomy. Hopefully, somebody will start learning yeah. <laughs> Um
1: And from the New Zealand side, uh, Patrice, uh, what uh, what is your opinion on what the effects of AI will have on the workplace uh, or in the workforce and what, what everyone can do uh, about that?
3: Uh, thanks, Isaac. Um... It's quite interesting the, the, the fear amongst the population that AI will take their jobs. And having worked in both the tech and uh, connecting with stakeholders in the blue economy, which is both the people protecting the environment, and offering tourism related to the sea, or um, people into uh, producing from the sea, um, their major issue is the lack of workforce, right? And they cannot find local ones trust because a lot of these jobs are extremely hard to deal with. Um, and a new generation prefers the tech and actually go and, and go hard on, on the terrible uh, weather at sea, especially in New Zealand, which is a great place when it's sunny, but a terrible one, when it's um, not sunny as we have found recently. Um, and the workforce that is in place often is scared of AI in a way that you can't really offer them AI as a way to change their job. So there's the polarized workforce, which is very manual, very technical, very experienced people. And also what I've realized is these people, they, they do tasks that you will not be able to replace by a machine because they're extremely like the dexterity of what they do, especially when they prune apples, when they pick them up. Um, the ladies that I saw picking up, actually, that's a lady-only job because of their soft fingers Um, Blueberries or uh, raspberries. I remember doing that as a a young adult and I was told I was too rough on these and only one had the soft touch. Well, try to find a robot that can do that and not squeeze a raspberry and then try to accelerate that to the speed of these ladies and you will not make it. So I don't think the um, AI and automation will solve that, but as it was solved before, it will basically bring the information to the deciders very, very quickly. Um, the managers, the technicians who reach, will get a lot of data. And if you manage to get these people on, at see the right information in the right form, and that's where the user interface and the way you bring the data to them is important, then they will benefit from it. Um, there is so much that uh, I can do. And talking to um, producers of mussels and scallops, they told me that actually a big chunk of their money they were spending was in um, you know, taking the barge to, um, to see, to just have a look at what's happening every day. And that was costing them thousands of dollars a week. And they saw AI maybe in sensing as a way to not have to go and just manage that from away. And basically what you do, you free them from the task um, that they don't need to perform and therefore you offer them the chance to do something else. So you increase productivity with the same workforce But at the same time, all these new generation that like tech, uh, you'll give them an opportunity to work for these areas without actually having to go get wet and cold at sea or go in the field if they don't like it. So I think it will bring more people to these areas, more people that might not be interested to to work in an office and code some um, interface. Um, So I'd see mostly positive aspects of it. and of course, uh, as long as we use AI for for that, um, I don't see um, AI destroying jobs in the way the, the people find, except maybe the people writing uh, automated uh, newspaper article of very low value. Then I think Chat GPT is already doing their job very well. So um, I think these ones will suffer, but it is not to do with the blue economy or the retail. So I think there's a good future there. But New Zealand, we are really desperate. Uh, We lost several crops last year because there was no one to pick up fruits. Uh, A bit of AI and some crude robotics, even if I was slow, would have solved a lot of that. So we are not into uh, accelerating production. We are actually into picking up what we can because we have no one to do that. So I think there's a lot of places where there's a sense of desperation and hopefully I can bring a bit of hope and create jobs somewhere else, bring these automated systems, not replacing people, but actually doing the job no one is doing. So it's my positive view of the field, and I think uh, we're going to make it that way.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much, Patrice. So there's a few things that um, came out from uh, everyone who just spoke that I'll uh, see if I can tease out a bit. But before I launch into uh, some of my questions, is there anyone uh, from the audience who's listening who'd like to um, offer a comment, a question, a query, a concern um, about either the topic or uh, any of the comments that our panelists have made? And if you are keen, uh, please use the raise hand feature and I'll pick on you um, and then you can have your chance to ask a question or leave a comment.
2: I want in, in the and uh, to to add something, uh, I think that it can be helpful. I I think it will be very helpful for the for the industry that I'm involved in if the you know the government will uh, you know spend budget on grants uh, for integrating AI to you know on this in on this inter uh, industry that I mentioned and for training uh, relevant manpower to to. Uh, Work with AI and for generating data uh, for AI. This is uh, one of the challenges in the in the field. My field.
1: Um. Uh, thanks, Brent. That was that was going to be my uh, the first point I raised because uh, both you now, um, Patrice obliquely uh, and Dan mentioned uh, you know the, the role that government should play. Uh, actually, in the of AI. I actually have a question related to that yeah. as well.
6: But Isaac, this is more maybe more for you as the operations manager. And also, Patrice, um, you know, in terms of AI in New Zealand, like, is AI even on the government's radar in terms of being a potential solution or offering solutions that are relevant for the entire New Zealand, you know, in, um, economy, or is it just, is it just something that is just very technical at the moment that is sort of. You know, not capable for people to understand, and therefore it kind of doesn't exist. How is AI perceived in New Zealand at the moment, generally? That's I'm keen to know about
1: that. Um, uh, I'll leave Patrice also. uh, He'll be going to talk about this with a bit more authority. But uh, from the operations side of things, uh, there is a a strategy plan and document that's been uh, in the work for a few years now through our government's Ministry of Businesses business of innovation and employment, although it is still in the strategic planning stage. At the moment, uh, we've got a few governmental funding schemes that's looking at implementation of technology, but they are very uh, small scale when you think about the international funding pots uh, that are available. And a lot of it is um, pushing industry um, to do a bit more R&D themselves rather than coming from top down from the government. So it's not where we would like it to be, but we are seeing hopeful signs that it can get somewhere. Um if we can just, you know, not have a few cyclones and a few COVID years um, in the next few time. I'm sure hopefully one of these days it'll happen.
3: If I can add a few things. So um I'm also as most academics in New Zealand, I'm involved in the assessment of funding application um, to government funding. And a lot of these applications have various, ty- a lot of these funding um, proposals have a lot of different applications in, in most fields. Um, but often you have a bit of AI there. When there's a problem, they don't know how to solve this. They say, we'll explore AI. And the government is well aware of that. And I think it's accepted that AI is a way to try to go beyond Uh, what was explainable science and and try these methods. As about complexity, actually, I would say, um, when we talk about AI mostly these days, people understand deep learning. This is something extremely uh, puzzling in some ways and, and great in the other ways that if you read the papers about deep learning methods, almost no one can understand them all the way, yet, The code is available online and any undergrad students will be able to download, install and produce something. Whether they understand what's happening, I think a lot of the companies that employ them, they're actually just interested in the results. I've heard about a lot of our undergrads that actually pick up AI for companies because they say, can you just try this, try that? And it usually works fine. So I think AI is – New Zealand is not an old country – it's extremely flexible. Um, it adopts a lot of different cultures, trains very quickly, moves on, forget what happened before. And I think AI has entered a lot of strata of the society fairly quickly. Um, there isn't much of a push um, against it, except the usual um, people against everything. Um, I would say we don't have a gigantic base of scientists, but we have some well. World- Famous scientists. Uh, well, we have one at Naui, uh There's several at Victoria University of Wellington. They have some at Waikato. So I think, compared to the size of the country and the number of people that are in the top ranks, um, publications around the world, I think we are pretty good.
1: And with the, like if, if to turn around the question, um, what is um, the political um, view in Israel? What does the government um, think about AI and how? or if, uh, do they support uh, the universities and industry when it comes to AI development and implementation?
5: So, first of all, I'd like to, with, with Patrice, I'd like to add on to that, that beyond uh, regular folks, let's call them, right, undergrads, <laughs> uh, being able to to run uh, fairly, you know, what was very complex just five, ten years ago, um, it's, it's even leaping forward and I'm seeing a lot of uh, different offerings from uh, third parties uh, towards uh, no technical knowledge. So you have uh, tools that you prep in advance uh, and really you just play with the data and as long as it's just a set, you know, classification, object detection, segmentation, something that's very like straightforward, Uh, You can do it even with people who are theoretically, you know, third graders, uh, as long as they understand the data Um, in terms uh, to answer your question from the industry perspective of uh, the government effort. Israel has had. uh... Oh, you accidentally went. (laughs) So so Israel has had. A history of over maybe 20 or 30 years something like that uh of supporting uh startups through funding uh basically matching dollar to dollar kind of thing uh so for every research uh dollar that you spend uh, the government will give you uh some sort of rebate or something like that uh, and it's been very effective uh in my perspective i
2: could could add uh you know, from the uh, academic point of view, not from the industry that are, today there are very, you know, runs, uh, a large amount of budget uh, spent on the AI, the machine learning, uh, and it is very, very, very popular topic in all the faculties, even the non-traditional faculties, not only computer science, Everyone is talking about AI. A lot of grants, uh, AI in medicine, AI in food tech, and AI in, uh, biotechnology. technology. So uh, we are we're in the right direction.
3: <laughs> I would say Israel has always occupied a, a, a leading position in the computer vision community with Ron Kimmel and the Bronstein brothers. You know, that are very famous figures and uh, and always been you know at the forefront. So it, it seems to be natural that Israel should be leading as well in the overall AI space. It seems that's, that's the right spot.
5: I think beyond the, the government support, a big factor has been the community, which is very open and sharing. Uh, there's a very, very strong community here of uh, both researchers and uh, uh industry players uh that's also you know hopefully you guys can also replicate that or you already have something like that
1: hopefully <laughs> um I, uh, and if there's no other questions from the audience um i've got a i've got a question for tal and uh, with your experience in um ai when it comes to cyber security uh AI is becoming more and more you know, used to connect other people, um, whether it's as, as you know, as, uh, ancillary devices, or even if it is um, things like chat GPT, um, or what Google wants to use for its search engines now. There's a lot of um, AI media communication between people. How can we as the industry, as academics, or as just lay people, uh, how can we be sure that these interactions between people or between people and AI or the media's ones? How can we be sure that these ones are best protected um, to make sure we're kept safe both physically and um, when it comes to our data and our finances?
4: Excellent question. Uh, uh, I think it's it's a very hot topic at the moment, like the fine line between like uh, security and privacy. Uh I think that ensuring AI safety especially in cyber uh requires like a proactive kind of uh or multifaceted approach uh that involves like addressing uh, the potential risks uh, preventing like bias and uh, also been building like the what you said like the trust and transparency uh, of the process uh, I think that's one step that uh, I have found uh, to be effective uh, is uh, to implement like rigorous testing and uh, and uh, validation of, uh, of of AI systems going into production uh, before deployment. Actually, so this includes like conducting uh, a thorough kind of risk assessment uh, to identify like potential uh, vulnerabilities or weaknesses uh, uh, in the system. So uh, you also need to test the system like under various scenarios and conditions to make sure that it operates safely uh, and effectively. Uh, And also you have to to try to limit the possible bias as, as much as possible. So this is like includes like being transparent on how the AI system works, Uh, which data was actually used to train and its origin. It's really important not just like to drop like the name of the data set and maybe just explain, maybe the the distribution of the data and uh, how it is being used uh, uh, and building like safeguards into the system uh, to prevent misuse or unintended uh, consequences. I think that's also investing time and effort in uh, explainability, uh, of the algorithm uh, could also help mitigate uh, this issue, uh, maybe allowing like for greater transparency and accountability in the and uh, how the system operates and how it makes decisions and maybe giving you like advice on, on what to do. Uh, so regular bias auditing uh, of uh, the AI during training and testing can help uh, identify and mitigate uh, any biases uh, that may be presented in the uh, in the model. So you can move, use like statistical or subgroup analysis or uh, fairness criteria to, in in the actual uh, training. this could also work. I think that uh, this, of course, will influence the 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 architecture, the algorithm that you choose. Uh, so you have to bear in mind all those things that uh, I've mentioned. Uh, I think that in addition to the technical solutions, uh it's important to think that like there's needs to be like a culture of responsibility and uh, accountability. Uh, you, uh in my experience, I, I built like a, a group which is comprised of of people from multiple disciplines and history. Uh so I'm 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 always I always have like the different types of ideas regarding uh, uh regarding the solution so uh and they help me promote like ethical use of uh of those algorithms um and it's it's also crucial to provide training uh and education to the stakeholders and uh and uh and actual clients to properly understand uh, how the, the the ai system works and and the limitations uh, behind it
1: uh, thanks very much um tell Spe- um speaking of um creating ethical transparent AI, what is your opinion professionally um about those AI models that can be you know downloaded into uh, an individual's personal computer you know modified create you know uh trained on own data and then released back into the world we've seen quite a lot of these lately when it comes to the art um AI models or um the variations on uh, the gpts which are the trained themselves without any sort of oversight or regulation um which uh can be can be used for nefarious purposes or just to annoy a lot of people um what uh what's your opinion on that um you know c- with your coming from your background. And is there something that should be done about um, this sort of personal training of AI? Or is it just a case of something we just need to accept and uh, hopefully it will go away once people get bored of the novelty?
4: I think that, that I believe that there's like a fine line between over-regulating AI and uh, which can actually like stifle the 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 innovation progress so or uh, but underregulating it uh could lead to unintended uh, consequences uh, sometimes even harm uh, uh chat gpt and stable diffusion kind of uh, solution is it's more at the moment it's more like uh let's say uh more of a play than a professional kind of uh, solution Although I, I can see some uh, in my uh, in my company uh, we we've we've had like a disc- recent discussion on uh if we need like technical writers or we can just simply use like ChatGPT or or UIUX should be uh, maybe we can uh, employ like a low budget uh, stable diffusion kind of a uh, prompter instead of uh, of uh, of a human so but in, in regards to regulating it uh, i think that's one way to achieve like a good balance is is, uh, is maybe like create like a multi stakeholder kind of approach uh, from industry say something similar to what we are doing right now uh and and, and discuss it uh, really in depth uh, i had the privilege of uh participating in uh, in an israeli committee uh, which gave like advice to the prime minister, like a few years ago, uh, and I find it, I found it quite beneficial. Uh, I think that most of the of uh, or at least some of the of, uh, of the marks we gave and the suggestions were, were implemented. Uh, so I think like bringing uh, together like diverse perspectives uh, and the expertise. Uh, this this is a good approach uh, to follow. Um, I think that the 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 recent progress is the advancements. The advancements is uh, really really going a bit uh, let's say a bit too fast to really understand the grasp of uh, of these changes. Uh, for instance, like the the stable diffusion uh, Getty kind of uh, of uh, of uh, lawsuit about maybe the, the discovery that the actual uh, or, original images were embedded in the in the in the network although it was not really logical so uh, we're still exploring uh this tech trying to understand so we need to 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 take it step by step and uh and 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 as as i said as someone said earlier it's not just just uh, downloading from github like the cloning the the the, the code and uh, and running it on uh, on like fine tuning it on running it uh, on yours you either uh, usually invest a lot of time to really understand the actual research paper to understand its limitations and and then only then try to 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 see if it fits the actual problem That we are trying to handle. That's my
2: perspective. I want to to add something from my point of view, which is maybe uh, five years in the future (laughs) or seven years in the future. So, we we use uh, AI as I mentioned to, for example, engineer viruses that attack cancer cells. Uh, We can use them to to engineer, uh, uh, you know. you know, micro microorganisms that generate foods, etc. And uh, this can be dangerous. You know, also if you uh, you know the a few years people can use AI to generate uh, biological weapon. You know, they can generate uh, viruses that uh, you know can kill a, a certain person. based on the, its, uh, it's genetic uh, specific genetic material. So we clearly need to think about the way to restrict this. Not clear how to do it. Not, not to me, but
4: uh, is a you know, not trivial problem. Well, what what do you say about uh, countries that don't follow regulations? Huh? Uh, well, let's say I don't know China, <laughs> whatever that, they, they
2: very I... very dangerous, very dangerous. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, people with a lot of money can you know. The few years can use AI to, you know, generate uh, very dangerous organisms or viruses, in my opinion.
1: Um, thanks very much, Tamir. Um, yes, I am. I've I know of a project, um, kind of the, the the research at the moment that's working on machine uh, learning to, um, um, predict every sort of protein that can be created from any. Uh, any sequence of DNA Um, so that would do exactly as you say you could potentially create any uh, biological organism and any biological agent simply by letting this um, AI do what it does best Um, so there is far more nefarious uses to it than potentially copying someone's art are there any sanctions to using AI unethically at the moment no um let's open it up to the panel and to our very esteemed audience um does anyone know of uh, anything like sanctions um that's um has ever been placed on the use of ai or it could be i mean it could be based on exi- uh, laws and existing technology could be adapted for ai
3: if we were looking at our regulation if you look at the industries that actually put human lives in danger like the um, all the plane um aviation regulations they're pretty strict but even with that, in America, we saw the example of Boeing who basically didn't do properly all these steps to produce a plane and basically kill people. And there was most likely not much air involved. So it's already happening in this world that um, companies abuse regulations, even once they are constrained to basically make profit, I would say it's sadly a human trait. Um With AI, you you could go a long way. I know we're recorded, but this one is using its own data to tell people the car self-drives. There's a few accidents. And, you know, where do you stop progress, right? Do we stop progress because um, one billion cars managed to drive and one felt? Do we say, oh, it's unsafe? So there's, there's a difficult one. And, yes, we're lacking standards. We're lacking a use which is... I'm basically clear because most of it is unexplainable. There are huge models that likely no one understands. And it's a very hard step. And I think it's going so fast that it's going to be hard to stop people. Um so that's that's a difficult topic. I'm not even sure the governments really grasp what's happening. Um, except maybe the Israeli one that is seems to be advised properly. <laughs> so that's my take on it. That's we go I I personally do not like to engage in projects where I know in if, if I see human lives that might be engaged. I, I like to use on projects where, you know, it's more assessing um, animal welfare, animal life, uh, environment, not really deciding. I know for medical science, it could be amazing, but we've seen that in the past. Um, you know, um, a virus uh, can be modified to save people, it can be modified to to kill them rock states do that already so is ai the the bad guy there or is the people using the science once again the bad person we're always there I'm not sure if it's our point to solve that today
5: uh, i think you. you make a good point that it might not even be controllable like even even if we do have uh, the wish to, to control it might not be control
1: uh we've also had a comment from uh, svetlana um she says uh, i think once question uh once question of dangerous ai weapons was raised it is time to start developing such weapons to protect the public uh anyone have comments on that
2: maybe ai against ai <laughs> <laughs> i think you
1: i know, think they're already
2: AI, uh... AI system. ai system to find problems you know, uh, somehow to detect uh, you know uh, abuse of ai so maybe this is one direction.
5: I think I think today there's already a ton of examples like that, and it's you know it's always uh, a game, and even just even in the military, I'm sure you know there's uh it's a cat and mouse game in cyber and in whatever uh like malicious software. Let's say it's a, it's a cat and mouse game in even in medicine, it's sort of, uh, you know, the, the body adopting or whatever, like viruses adopting versus us. Like it's a, it's a constant, you know, that's, that's the world we live in. And it's our effort versus, you know, somebody's malicious effort.
4: Yeah, I, I can give like a small example from the cyber domain. So basically we're trying to develop, uh, uh, like, anomaly we we use like a multiple types of uh, of uh, algorithms to try to find malware or uh, uh, spyware or uh, other uh, types of uh, wares uh, in ot it in other infrastructure and uh, uh, we use as much as possible the latest technology uh, anomaly detection multivariate anomaly detection uh, using transformers etc cetera, etc cetera it's like a cat and mouse, because I I know for sure that the other side is also trying to hide um, by creating the actual agent, which does the harm, uh, trying to hide the actual behavior behind the scenes by using an AI model that learns how the, the actual network behaves and then tries to hide in the shadow. So it's really, really difficult uh like a cat and mouse kind of game to 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 develop that but i, I see especially in israel it's the, the investments in this area are 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 uh let's say uh, getting uh bigger by the year so but it, it, it's like an offensive kind of uh at the moment, they are winning. So you can see so many attacks uh, going in. And and someone said that in, in the next war, AI will be used. It, it is being used at the moment, every day around the world. You can see it in Saudi Arabia. You can see it in the Ukraine. It, so those uh, uh, agents running and, uh, and doing some havoc in, uh, in, in OT uh, technology, uh, basically are using some sort of model to uh, to infiltrate and then to to pass uh, between the the agents inside in the computers inside the network and uh, and spread and uh, and do the harm. So uh, I'm not that optimistic at the moment in this respect, but we're doing as, as much as possible uh, to prevent uh, these type of uh, attacks and uh, invest quite a lot of money and effort in the. In, in, in this issue. So this is why we have so many cybersecurity companies uh, in Israel, each and every one of them focused like in specific kind of uh, domain, but uh, uh, there are like new companies coming in like Dream Security that are trying to find like some, some kind of a holistic approach uh, based on AI. Uh, so uh, hopefully this will be successful.
5: I think in the end, it's about pushing the the bar up. So like, uh, there's always going to be some, you know, the, the point is to make sure that like little kids somewhere, you know, we're just playing a prank can't do like too much harm. So <laughs> as long as it's like just staying between the level of like billion dollar companies and like governments, I don't know, something like that, you know, that's just where it's, it's going to continuously be.
1: Uh what Isternchus uh said that uh, Elon Musk said that regulation should slow down AI. Do you think it's needed and do you think it's even doable? I don't
6: oh, think you it's. Still- careful
3: not talking uh, too much about Tesla, you never know who's going to be listening. Um, <laughs> I've, I've used the self-driving system before. If you use it how it's intended, it's mostly amazing and and safe in motorways and controlled conditions. It will not work in some extreme weather conditions. But the the problem there is not just that, it's that it's open, which means if you decide to use it where it shouldn't be um, and if you let the car go, it's going to kill you. But it's not Tesla's fault, right? If Tesla says it only works on motorways, but, you know, you can turn it on when you want, um, then who's liable, right? Well, I think for big corporates, it's about liability. Anyone using AI should have very clear conditions of use. It should only be accessible to people that have free will to decide. Kids should not be exposed to making a choice on AI when they're not supposed to. You know, If you're not of age of smoking or drinking, you shouldn't be of age to decide that an AI will basically do something terrible to you. And how do we do that? It's extremely hard. Um, I think in California, the the use of the self-driving has been restricted because of these problems that, um, and Tesla is more and more, um, you know, clamping down on the bad drivers to stop them from using it. So Tesla is self-regulating itself because they know it could cause them trouble, Um, but they're aware of what they're doing, right? Um, The danger is more about the people they're not aware of the consequences of the hour they use because they haven't implemented it. They don't have the capabilities to understand its limitation and the people that sold that to them, to not have these capabilities neither. It's the problem of we're using tools that no one understands. These black boxes that no one knows. Um, so should it be free to use and pass around progress one way, we should try to, to you know, who knows. Um, but it, it's a difficult game. The field has never progressed so fast, I think, in such little time. Um, it seems to be each year a new product that just destroys a lot of our certainties and make the world more exciting in some ways and more uncertain in another. Um, it's hard to say we should stop progress and it's hard to say we should let it run freely because who knows where we go. I mean, yeah, it's a difficult one to answer.
1: Thanks, Patrice. Uh, Tamir, you were, you look like you're about to say something as well.
2: Yeah. I agree with uh, Patrick. We, we need to 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 have some regulation and restriction, uh, this is clear. Uh, it's not. I don't know how, how to do it. It's not so trivial to find a way to do it. I think we, we should uh, maybe establish uh, relevant committees uh, in this uh, country that include uh, you know researchers from different disciplines. You know, it could be AI, uh, uh, relevant scientists. Overlapping fields, for example, medicine, uh, politicians, uh, etc., and to you know decide about the regulation, you know, in a very flexible manner. Uh, and, you know, give you know their their opinion and suggestions uh, every you know few weeks. And this, uh, you know, because you know. The, the there is huge development in the in the field and actually for me it's not clear what will be like what what will be the situation in uh, one or two years even in my field. Uh, so we need uh, some uh, flexible uh, regulation.
3: Uh. I think we could maybe ask Tal what he thinks because he was part of a committee involving uh, Israeli government. So what was their take on regulation in AI? Did you ever discuss that with government people?
4: Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's, as I said, it, it's, uh, it, it was, uh, they tried to, to create like a framework uh, to like guidance and standards for development, uh, like ensure that the, the technology is developed uh, and used responsible and in, in an ethical manner. Uh, we got to some kind of, uh, agreements, uh, especially in, in, uh, in industries where the risk is greater, like, uh, cyber and, uh, medical, uh, uh, um, so, uh, but we, we found it that, uh, that like being too rigid in the, in the framework, it's, it's counterproductive. So uh, it 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 was as as you can see here there were, there were like different type of approaches but so in the end uh, the the suggestions were a bit too soft in uh, in 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 my view uh, and uh, in in some industries like cyber they were uh, mostly too uh, uh, too harsh as to up to the point that. The government is, is controlling like, uh, like any sale to any country, looking at a- any, any algorithm being used is being, uh, is being uh, uh, investigated uh, deeply and explained. And, and sometimes it is very, very difficult to explain to government officials how like a very, uh, like an ensemble of deep learning models work and uh, so, so I find it uh, quite difficult uh, to to promote like uh, uh, like deployment of AI in production. So the, it as as I was saying earlier, it, like it, I, I believe that it stifled a bit the, the, the actual process and 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 in some cases like even stopped it. So if you have like good connections in the government, you can maybe push. And, uh, and if you have like very good explanation, uh, ready, that, that will be very, very helpful. But, uh, I, I think that the, like the, the, the discussion, like the recent discussion about stable diffusion, copyright, uh, issues and, uh, being, Bing chatbot going mad and uh, it, it's the, the, this discussion is good. It's, uh. Uh, you can see that uh, it's uh, it's more common to discuss those issues, and I, I see that in the coming months. I guess that ChatGPT will improve and will get like more and more tools uh, similar in maybe other domains. We will we'll go to audio and others. So this will basically will force the hands of governments to to take this into some serious serious discussions and maybe the 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 law framework also will will have to catch up and uh, and handle these uh, uh these issues that uh, are arising just every day
1: thanks very much tell that was fantastic um we've got a question from Svetlana um on a more technical matter uh how much is ai limited by physical infrastructure And any thoughts on how such regional development prevents or enables AI technologies, which does go to all the points about who can develop it and who can use it? Anyone want to take a a stab at that? If I understand the question,
2: uh, you know, of of course, there are limitations to the ability to, to use AI, which are the computational resources that you have. Uh, among others, you know. Uh, specifically, I can say uh, again. I can talk about my field. When we try to find a solution, for, for example, we want to engineer a genome. Actually, there are infinite number of possibilities to, to engineer a, a genome to, to to solve a problem. And in some cases, we 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 run alg- very sophisticated algorithms for weeks or so it can be months to to find a solution. And if we have uh, more time, uh, we'll probably find better solutions. if we have uh, more computers, we will find better solutions. And uh, actually, we started to work, in my lab, to work on, you know, dedicated hardware (laughs) to accelerate our specific uh, AI, uh, which is very specific to what we are doing, like, uh, well, graphical card, but for my feed, I call it gene expression card. So eventually, there are physical limitations uh, to ability to find good solutions with AI. It's not a magic to spend a lot of budget for good computers, good uh, hardware.
4: Uh, I think that we just simply can't uh, add more and more computes each year. It's just, it's getting out of hand. I think we need to invest in smaller architectures uh with better utilizations uh and maybe move from gpus and computer to as a uh, said, maybe to fpga kind of solutions and other uh, more specific uh, uh matrix uh, multiplication kind of uh, of uh, solutions uh it's it's I, I believe it's not just uh it's expensive it's it's uh, energy consuming it's not good for the environment i think that the just making the 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 the, the architecture like 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 stacking multiple uh, transformers it's not the the right way to go we we've reached like like a point that the the the, the benefit of uh, of uh, the improvement is uh, is uh, counterproductive to what uh, what what the cost is so uh, and and this also limits like small companies like small startup companies that need this type of compute uh, to 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 create their own product. Uh, I, I know that for some 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 friends of mine that started uh, their own companies they, they find it even difficult to get like GPUs from AWS. They go to a point that it's the, there's no actual compute available. So, or or uh, ordering like an Nvidia DGX station will take like six months. So, it's it's right. very very problematic in this respect. So, uh, as uh, Israel has decided to invest quite a lot of money to build like its own um, own environment, so the researchers and and companies could use that but at the moment i think it's a very very uh tough problem and uh we invest a lot a lot of time in uh, in trying to think about the product productization the inferencing from the start before we even uh, think about the actual uh uh architecture or or uh, or model because we know that for sure that's going to take a, that the, the toll of the of the actual compute, it's going to be huge, so we need to limit it as much as possible just from the start.
6: Uh, I've got a question around that. Um, So, you know, this combination of uh, quantum computing, which is a hot topic now, and AI, would we be able to start solving incredibly complex problems and issues with AI, with quantum computing? Is that something that's on the radar of people?
2: working in AI? So I feel, again, uh, I had a few suggestions about using a quantum computing. Quantum computing cannot solve everything. No, Though there, there are problems that we cannot prove that with quantum, quantum uh, computing, we will, uh, they will be more efficient and faster to solve. Uh, so there is a famous graph that I usually show to to my students uh, that actually uh, include two two plots. One of them is the accumulation of genetic data that we have that we may want to analyze to solve problems, and the second is the more law of the how, how cheap is the computer become uh, every year. And it's clearly seen that we have extremely more data. You know, the the graph of the of the data is extremely faster, going much faster. And this actually the mathematical proof that we are in the bottleneck, or the computation is the bottleneck. And, uh, uh, you know, we need very good uh, researchers uh, or or engineers or computer scientists to to make all the analysis uh, of the modeling and the AI much more efficient. It's not uh, just plug and play.
5: I think to answer both of those things, with quantum computer it's just not really we're not going to have a practical quantum computer in the next five to ten years for sure like a best case scenario 10 years uh so it's just not relevant right now for us to uh, take the effort and you know uh, fit ourselves to something that will change significantly over the next 10 years and in terms of the computation i think everybody here spoke about you know what we're reaching this uh this point. and I think there's a step function right now again I, I talked about both of these things earlier with uh trillion param- uh, trillion uh parameter models or multi-billion uh parameter models that are starting to become every day like chat GPT is scaling up as now has 100 million users that means you know that the GPUs that are around the world are all of a sudden having way more utilization and then you end up in situations where there's just not enough GPUs because to produce a GPU takes some time. You need, you need to scale up the, the production and so on. It's not, it's like a physical thing. Uh, and certainly the, the solution in Israel, there's many companies around this uh, that use FPGAs, uh, like Tal said, or things like that. But I, I really think that the next solution on top of that will be sparsity. Uh, like I said earlier, Uh, I think that you know if, if you look at our brain, which I think is... Uh, light years ahead of uh, our technology right now, the the key difference is that it's extremely, extremely sparse. Um, And we see this over and over. There's a ton of examples of this, of papers that show that neural networks uh, can get to similar accuracies or even uh, improve accuracies, improve robustness, improve all sorts of things while being very, very sparse, like 90% sparse uh, in both uh, weights, activation and so on. Uh, and so, and, and the real bottleneck there is the, first of all, the hardware that's supposed to be fitted to that. And second of all, the, the SDKs or whatever, like CUDA, doesn't, doesn't really support uh, sparsity today. It's, it's slower to multiply two matrices that are sparse uh, than a regular matrix. That doesn't make any sense. So I think once we get to that, also we, we talked about transformers, certainly activation or what's called um, um, attention maps are also tend to be extremely sparse. So like there's sparsity is a solution in my, in my mind.
3: If you think about the, the most complex and efficient computer in the universe is, is largely the human brain, right? It took a million years to put together. It consumes a few watts. And it's certainly not a binary machine. And whether it's a quantum machine, I wouldn't go that far. So I think the binary solution is not working. We also have the Moore laws that basically says we double densities uh, every 18 months. So you can track that with the size of GPUs. I remember the first one we bought um, in 2009, which was a GTX 285, we still have it. And we recently bought a 4090 and I think we could fit four or five of these 285 inside the 4090, uh, this has become insane. Um, that part consumes thousands of watts. It's, it's actually not great for the environment neither. So well, I don't really think scaling GPU like that is a good idea. Uh, Edge computing is, is a good idea because it resembles a bit uh, what the brain is doing. The brain is basically um, trashing data it doesn't need. It just like filters and filters and filters and filters um and edge computing is a good idea where you at the edge you have lower consumption uh, smaller um, gpus that will basically filter the data out brush everything is not useful and just pass on what is useful and maybe it's the way to go so to have multiple you know gateways where you filter the data through but yeah scaling up number of gpus is is a waste of resources of electronics and uh, yeah uh, basically the way ChatDPG is growing it might overtake um, a lot more than we can afford. So um, I think people are realizing that it's gonna slowly evolve, but the field is very chaotic. It progresses way too fast to even have a, a strategy there. So, you know, everyone is going for their own solutions and I don't know, survival of the fittest. Maybe we'll see who's got the best one.
1: Um, Thanks um, everyone for that. I've got one question for Tamir. With your expertise in biotech and the health area, that's a very, I mean, that's always been a very touchy subject for everyone. The relationship between um, patient and doctor is as sacrosanct as um, anything can be. Um, And with the rise of AI when it comes to diagnostic tools um, and looking at health assistance, We've been, we've been talking a lot about how to convince people that AI is good, but that's when it comes to jobs or when it comes to the environment, politics and defence. What do you think um, is the way to convince people to let them into that, uh, for most people, the most secret part of their lives, the most um, private part of their lives? Um, how can we convince people that even health would benefit greatly with the use of um, artificial intelligence?
2: Okay, so I think the first step is to, is that the doctors? (laughs) Let's start with the doctors. Uh, uh, They should should learn to trust uh, and use AI, uh, computational approaches. Uh, This can be done using uh, based on training and education in the field, you know, integrate uh, education in the computational approaches and AI to. you know, uh, you know the, the the first degree, the medical degree, academic degree. Uh, they need to, to learn how to work with AI in the daily their daily work. Uh, use the AI to to decide about, uh, for example, diagnostic. Uh, and uh, actually, I personally see how researchers in the in the field in medicine become more and more excited. To, to work with me uh, to collaborate with me and today actually when I come to uh, a researcher in the field a doctor they're very excited they, they want to, to to learn more they want to to use uh, our models uh, we have many many collaborations uh, with them uh, so I think so I think that when the doctor will learn you know to, to use it, it become uh, you know very natural for them to use AI you know, very naturally move, uh, you know, to the other type of people, the public and the, the patients. Uh, I think it will also be very helpful to publish uh, successful uh, medical products that are based on AI. You know, new therapies that we we are developing, uh, new tools, new discoveries. Uh, if you publish them in a, uh, you know, in a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the news, for example, people will learn about this. So we see that this is very helpful.
1: Thanks, Brian Um Anyone have uh, any uh, comments on that? On that and uh, AI and health and what uh, Tamir just spoke about.
5: So, uh, in my experience, I, uh, I, just, I I've been in the, in that space a little bit, and uh, the core issue is really the medical systems let's say let's say like uh they use extremely old infrastructure they have uh very limited uh ability to transfer in new technologies there's a lot of bureaucracy they tend to be big uh organizations not very technological so for example i was doing speech to text and uh they somebody asked me this is great, we really want speech-to-text to uh, transcribe what doctors uh, recommend. Can you run this on a mainframe? And it's like, who knows even, you know, it's like some, and that's that's their, like, that's the barrier. So I think the, the, the core issue there is more, uh, you know, maybe we'll see things that are somewhat similar to the banking system, where there's a bunch of uh, startups that are trying to be uh, half bank, half tech. Uh, maybe we'll see some, like, Half uh, medical interest, you know, a hub, half uh, tech or something. Uh, that will solve that barrier. I
6: do have a question. So I,
2: sorry, I do have a question. I, I, sorry, to go ahead. Sorry, I just want to say that uh, yeah, I agree with that. I, uh, you know, but I, I see that you know it. Uh, in my collaboration, that we we are progressing. You know, we we I've collaborated with many hospitals, and they you know establishing uh, you know units, uh, you know computational units, uh, a computational biology units. So this is some kind of AI. Almost all of them, and they they are spending much effort to to share uh, their data uh, with researchers like me uh today i know about dozens of, of projects uh with hospitals in israel that uh you know related to this topic of developing ai in medicine and this is quite new you know this is you know talking about the last few years uh, i agree that 10 years ago it was impossible to do anything in the field
5: thanks mary josh your question
6: yeah, um, my question is, is that like when I think about AI, you know, AI is about being is about statistics at the end of the day, right? Probabilities. It doesn't actually give you an answer about what's right or what should be. It just gives you an answer on based on statistics. In terms of, I don't know, th- this is my understanding, and it's really a layman's understanding. And um, when it comes to health, and you applying this idea of what is AI and how can it improve health outcomes does it affect the way that we approach AI in health for example if you need an answer uh it just in from AI it just gives you an answer that's not what should be good for you but is statistically likely to benefit you
2: for example does that... this is actually this is true also when the doctor answer your your question <laughs> so in generally when you're working, you're talking about Uh, biological entities uh, not only humans but also microorganisms and viruses there are lots of stochasticity uh, uh, natural stochasticity and usually down cells are stochastic, you know, uh, statistics stochastic, in probability X you will be healthy probability X you will this uh, drug will help you uh, because the systems are very very complex and also there is natural statistic, uh, stochasticity. If you look at cells, for example, there are stochastic entities uh, naturally. So it, this is based on uncertainty and the, the natural of the problem. And actually the error rate of AI is better than the error rate of a doctor, you know, in many cases. So in, in project that I competed with a doctor and got all the information, uh and use this to for, for diagnostic for example i actually the the ai w- was better still g- give you a you know a probabilistic uh, answer uh sometimes it was wrong uh, but <laughs> better than the doctors so um
1: to add on to that i um we're in now interested in working on health um and ai and i read a paper quite a while ago um like all papers can't remember who wrote it where they did similar thing it maybe it was your paper um where the ai got 85 percent of its diagnosis correct and that doesn't sound very good because you think oh 15 got bad news at the end <laughs> of the day but the doctors the human doctors only did, only got 75 percent yeah which is, is a very typical
2: th- very typical result in <laughs> You know, the patient do not understand that the doctor, you know, the rate of success of doctor is quite low. It's not the exact science. People need to learn about this. Maybe they will <laughs> help them to, to, you know, to trust AI. I think,
5: um, I think it, it, go ahead. Sure.
3: Yeah, uh, quickly, if we can, uh, where I see the AI um, helping a lot in the healthcare is in areas where actually medical advice is not available. Um, There are cases in New Zealand with areas where there is no one to give you a diagnostic. And if AI is, it's not about whether you reach 85 or not. It's more about the, the false negative, false positive, true positive, true negative. If the AI can tell you, you better talk to a doctor, it's better than no one talking to you and telling you anything. And if it can do that, it's better than nothing. And this is where I see AI bringing something only positive. It's not where there's a doctor and you replace the doctor. It's where there's no one. There's also isolated communities. The country, apparently, the most isolated community in the world is Mexico, where there's villages that are hours away from any um, medical support. If they have capabilities like that, but they have mobile phones and they have mobile towers, right? They have also Coca-Cola. The truck comes, but the doctor doesn't come. Um, If these guys they have a system on the phone that tells them hey you know you should go see a doctor it's better than nothing and this is where i see the progress right rather than replacing a a gp by an ai system where you have a gp
5: Mm -hmm. i think also as an enabler even in uh very advanced countries you know you still have a bottleneck of highly trained doctors so just being able or an sla time you just you know you have one guy looking at these things it takes him a week if he uses ai it can take him 3 hours like that's a big deal uh, That can save somebody's life uh, i think at least in our space in uh, and and i'm sure this extends to medical uh there's embarrassing mistakes so statistically we might be correct but every once in a while we say something that you know a human would look at and would be like this is obviously wrong you know so there's also like a measurement of how, you know, so in medical, you cannot have these embarrassing mistakes. Like, so, it's, it's also, I'm sure, a consideration. Oh,
2: this, is why, this, this is why, why I want to add something to what Dan just mentioned. Usually in my projects, uh, and, uh, I usually try to combine, you know, AI with the expertise of someone from the field. This is the currently the, the best way to, to, you know, do not have embarrassing uh, <laughs> Decisions, uh, if 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 possible, sometimes we uh, did. There's no one uh, that know anything, but if I find an expert, you know, I want to study a certain disease. Let's find the best expert that I have in Israel, work with uh, with him or her, and combine my AI to to find a solution. Uh, this is my strategic.
1: Thank you very much, Samir, and everyone. We've got a few minutes left, so the last question, I'll just run through the list again um, of our panellists. If you can tell the audience and everyone watching this later on as a recording, what would be your one wish for either your field of research, um, for yourself when it comes to AI, or just for people to know about AI? What would be that one wish? And um, top of my list is Dan.
5: Wow, I did not
2: prepare for this. I didn't see the question. So let, let me. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna let everybody else speak. I'm gonna think for a second. So that's yeah. a big question, uh, Tamir. Yeah, I have I have a lot of wish wishes <laughs> that the AI. I, I think we. I hope and think. I really think. I think with, with AI we can, uh, you know, uh, cure cancer. Like I think. I think that with the AI we we can find a way to to live. Forever. I'm not sure if this is good, but we can do it.
6: <laughs> Very ambitious. And
2: I think we that only we, with AI we can solve the the global warming, the uh, you know all this this the uh, climate uh, crisis. Uh, this is my opinion.
1: Thanks, Amir. Uh, next up, uh, Patrice. What would be your one wish when it comes to AI? Well.
3: When I think about AI, so far it mostly solved problems. No one needed to be solved, right? We didn't need GPT or other systems. What I would like AI is to solve problems. Actually, matters yes. Yeah, so or the climate change, um, you know, space travel beyond speed of light, living forever, all these things that'll make humankind better. Stop war. Can AI find a solution to us being stupid and killing each other? Yeah, this is really what I'm after. Can you know? Can we help Tesla do? wherever i want so i don't have to drive anymore that would be amazing all these problems if yeah. i could do it it would be great so if i just solve problems no one cares about yeah. okay
1: so yeah that's my wish thanks patrice uh tal you're up next
4: yeah, i agree completely with patrice very very like i think that uh that it is important to recognize like uh that ai, AI has limitations and it's uh, it's not a replacement for human intelligence and decision making. Uh, this is why I normally don't use the term AI. I, I prefer I much prefer using machine learning or other uh, types of uh, explanations. AI is something that you normally use uh, when you try to to get some money from out of uh, investors. But basically, that's like machine learning or regression uh, at the most. So uh, anyway, uh, these models can make mistakes and uh, these mistakes uh, like sometimes have like significant consequences. uh, So it is essential to approach like ML in a critical and mindful kind of uh, mindset. And uh, we need to continue to to improve the technology in in a responsible and ethical manner. I think meetings like this uh, could help uh, in this regard, so I, I would say that one wish is to have more meetings like this between countries. Uh, I, I would say that I, I've never been to New Zealand, and um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I can't recall like a very serious discussion between a researcher from Israel and New Zealand. So my wish is for these type of uh, collaborations uh, to continue. I think that we can get to. To uh, a very, uh, uh, I think that both approaches, Israel more like a technical kind of uh, approach, maybe like coming out of necessity from uh, its situation in the the Middle East and New Zealand, maybe more academic kind of uh, uh, way of thinking The the mix could be very beneficial uh, for both countries and possibly the world. So this is my wish.
1: Thank you very much for that, Tal. Um, and back to Dan. Wow.
5: Well, so I, you know, I would also like to see the world become a better place. In uh, you know, but I I think I'll, I'll be a little bit more uh, uh, self uh, focused. I, what I really want is to see the next leap. So uh, talking to uh, following up on what Tal said, like today we equate AI with uh, deep learning essentially. And it, in the end, you know, it's just all of these things are really just techniques to accomplish things. And, that, and I, by the way, I don't think that they accomplish nothing. Like I think ChatGPT is, uh, is transformative in our ability to create things. Uh, it's a tool. Yeah, but I would like to see the, the next wave of tools that, you know, completely like shakes up uh, how, how we do things. So I'm very excited for that.
1: Thanks very much, Dan. And last year, I'll hand it back to Josh to close us off.
6: Isaac, thank you so much. Uh, Tamiya of Tel Aviv University, Dan Arias of Taranis, and Tal, uh, we'll, we'd love to see you uh, in New Zealand. And um, look, really, thanks very much for everybody making it. And uh, hopefully we'll do another couple of these in uh, the coming year, but uh, I wish you the best uh, day coming and for the Kiwis year. Um, yeah, enjoy, have a good night. Thank,
2: Thank
5: you very much. Everyone.
2: Thank you very much. Bye. Thank, Thank you, everyone. You Bye. Thank
6: you. Goodbye, everybody. Okay. Thank you.